Hello, Jordan Sheridan live. Monday, uh, what the hell day? September 11th, uh, 2023 in the United Corporations of America. Hope everybody is having an okay day in these trying times. I am tired. I pretty much worked all weekend. I am working on a book as well as uh, some other things that I'm not going to get into now, but if they come to fruition, I would be very excited that I've been working on uh, the book, which we're pitching to publishers now, and um, another project that is taking up a lot of my time. So uh, I've been working on those two things and not getting uh, a ton of sleep, but it's all on the purpose, all on the quest of justice. Uh, big week, big week. Uh, we are now four days away from what, by all accounts, uh, by all indications, will be a uh, pretty major uh, UAW strike uh, in all over the country, but for our purposes, we would be in Detroit. Uh, so we'll talk about that uh, a little bit. Uh, also, uh, I would be going with uh, John Farina, my cameraman. Uh, also, there's a lot of uh, hubbubaloo going on about Cornell West and the, and the 2024 campaign. He's hired a new uh, presidential campaign manager, Peter Dow. Uh, obviously, Biden's polls are sinking uh, or down uh, with the Titanic. Uh, so there's quite a lot going on. Uh, so we are going to take your calls uh, today. There was also um, an interesting interview. Uh, Gavin Newsom, Democratic president in waiting, was on Meet the Press with Chucky e. Todd uh, on Chuck Todd's last show uh, yesterday. So we're going to play some clips from that. He is very, very clearly... Uh, kind of on top of the cliff with Biden, like kind of like, you know, Newsom's like, oh, my my feet, I might trip and bump into you, President Biden. <laughs> Trying to kind of knock him off the cliff uh, or just, you know, wait till uh, Biden jumps off the cliff himself, politically speaking, of course. Uh, so a lot to get into. Please smash that like button uh, so we can get this out to more people. Uh, share this live stream if you can please super chats are welcome i will push this throughout the show but again unless something radically changes uh it looks like there's going to be a strike if there's a strike i'll be on the ground so if you are not yet a status coup member uh please please sign up today status slash join status slash join uh, support our on-the-ground reporting, uh, which will include myself and John Farina on the ground in Detroit. I'm actually, I've reached out already to the um, to the union in Canada, Unifor, because if you don't know, the auto workers in Canada might also be going on strike a few days after the auto workers in America. So if that happens, hey, be in Detroit, drive over the bridge to Canada, Maybe we can cover uh, the strike in Canada, too. A little international coup. Uh, so really looking forward to that. Hopefully they get back to me and would have interest in us coming uh, to cover it. But I want to start. I want to start with uh, more hand rigging over Cornell West and the third party threat from the Democratic Party. Uh, one second. Jordan live with update on potential strike. And latest in uh, Cornell West potential major strike. So I want to start with uh, more Democratic Party hand rigging over uh, the 
Cornell West third party can, uh, presidential campaign. This is from The Hill. Uh, hold on. Do, do, do. Do, do, do. The anxiety over third party campaigns has grown in tandem with Biden's relatively poor standing. Democrats were assured, uh, re uh, reassured when he didn't see a prominent primary challenger, according to them. They, they declare who's prominent and who's not. Obviously, Marianne Williamson and RFK Jr. are in there, but the media and the Democrats all along said, oh, they're not serious because we just get to declare who is serious and who's not. Uh, they were reassured when there wasn't a prominent primary challenger, but fears that someone without as much name recognition could run as a different party's option have taken hold as candidates embark on the year leading into the general election. West, a leftist aligned with Bernie Sanders, who has a considerable grassroots following, is now running as a Green Party uh, candidate, a political maneuver some progressives have found more concerning than his previous People's Party identification. Oh, those were the days. The Green Party skews to the left of the progressive movement and is most recently remembered for the uproar it caused in 2016 when outsider Jill Stein ran as the party's choice, yada, yada, yada. Quote, historically, third party candidates have been a boost to Republicans. The same could be true with this cycle, said Michael Starr Hopkins, a Democratic campaign operative and commentator. Uh, that's actually not entirely true. If you remember Ross Perot back in two, 1992, uh, there's plenty of research and data that shows he took away just as many votes from then Papa Bush uh, than he did Bill Clinton. So it's not a slam dunk that third party candidates all of the time uh, help Republicans. But this season, moderns are frustrated with West as the newest Green Party option, with strategists now working to downplay his bid. While many respect his academic contributions, they also see him as a troublesome figure in an already tough cycle for Biden. Interesting. They want to downplay his bid. Well, how are they going to do that? Inquiring minds. Uh, inquiring minds would like to know. Uh, well, clearly, Biden's, uh, between Biden's polls right now and the laws of gravity politically seeming to continually be lopsided. Uh, four indictments down, Trump's numbers are going up. Uh, DeSantis at this point is almost falling backwards into third place in the Republican uh, primary. Uh, you got Biden traveling around the world, uh, giving in incoherent speeches. Exactly how would they be downplaying his campaign? Well, I don't know if the word downplay is the correct word. I think really what they're going to be trying to do as more polls come out, he's at 4%. But what if a poll comes out with him at 6%? What if a poll comes out with him at 7%? I think they're going to try to neuter, destroy, tank his campaign. We've already seen the uh, you know opposition research that he owes half a million dollars uh, in taxes, which he addressed. They threw in there that he doesn't, that he hasn't paid his child support, which obviously he uh, vehemently denied. I have no reason not to believe Cornell West on paying child support. Uh, he did acknowledge that he does owe money to the IRS, which I thought was pretty honest of him to admit. Um, but I mean, if you look at Biden's numbers, forget Cornell West for a second. I mean, this is pretty bad for an incumbent president supposedly presiding over a strong economy uh, down to Trump, uh, basically tied to Trump, Trump up by one point, 
at this point uh, in 2020, at this point in 2019, because we're a year before the election. So at this point in 2019, uh, Trump was not beating any of the Democratic candidates uh, when he was running for reelection. Biden is tied with DeSantis, who is growing more and more unpopular. He's down by six points to Nikki Haley, of all people. He could barely beat Ramaswamy, a grifting private equity vulture. Uh, Pence is beating Biden. Tim Scott is beating Biden. Christie is beating Biden. And have you noticed they have not put Biden out to campaign yet? Well, devil's advocate can say, Jordan, it's just right after Labor Day. It's early. Candidate, you know, incumbents don't need to go campaigning so early. I don't know. I mean, I remember uh, back in 2011, Obama was already out campaigning for his reelection at this point. Um, trying to think back. Yeah, Obama was definitely out at this point campaigning. Uh, Trump was out campaigning well, well uh, into 2019. Uh, he was always basically Trump was campaigning for his reelection right after he got elected. Remember, he went around doing his rallies in 2017 and 2018, 2019, but Biden is not out campaigning at all. Uh, they would say, well, he, he's doing the job of president. Well, they do make a choice as president what to put on his calendar. Uh, does he have to be going to all these international trips that he's going on? Are they are they priority over him campaigning? And I'm not talking about, you know, barnstorming the country. I want you in Iowa, three rallies, in New Hampshire, another uh, three rallies, South Carolina, even though he says he's not even going to be on the um, ballot in Iowa and New Hampshire. Uh, but can we get one campaign event? Just one. I think they're keeping him out of the uh, limelight as much as they can, uh, which tells you something. It tells you something. For all the crowing and uh, you know gaslighting about what a great economy things are, all his accomplishments, uh, they seem to be taking their sweet time to put this president out to start his actual campaign. Uh, then you have uh, this is from the CNN poll last week. Uh, what do you, uh, who do you think Democratic Party should nominate in 2024? 67% of Democrats, 67% of Democrats say somebody else. I mean, I, I got to tell you, it is very rare that I agree with my former boss. Uh, I'm not a fan of him, but uh, Jank Uger put out a tweet. I think they have a petition going on over at TYT. Uh, resign. Bow out of the race, Biden. You are the threat. You are in, in, endangering us to Trump based on these numbers. I know it's crazy. I got to agree with him. These are terrible numbers. And, you know, some will say, uh, well, this is just the national numbers, Jordan. If you look in the particular states, uh, Pennsylvania, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, Arizona, Georgia, uh, it looks better for Biden. There hasn't been a ton of polling yet uh, in those states, but in those states, Trump is doing better in every one of those states than he was doing that he, than he was doing in polling in 2019 and 2020. Biden is doing worse in those states. I think it is very, very possible, perhaps likely, that Trump would retake Wisconsin. Uh, yes, they did have some Democratic victories with the uh, judge. 
where a liberal won. Wisconsin has become moving more and more right over the last few years. Uh, Pennsylvania, I mean, Trump, uh, Biden won by 80,000 votes. That's not a monumental victory that cannot be turned around. Um, and then you have Michigan. Uh, Michigan, you know, it went for Trump in 2016, Biden in 2020. He won by 150,000 votes. It is technically a swing state. There are parts that are definitely a lot more conservative. Uh, obviously, the cities, Flint, Detroit, are uh, more Democrat strongholds. But honestly, I don't see Biden in such strong shape in the state of Michigan. Uh, so at the end of the day, iceberg right ahead. And I think the key will be most Americans are not you and I. They do not pay attention to politics until they have to. They are working multiple jobs or watching Real Housewives or, you know, into sports or pay attention to elections a week or two before. Most Americans are going to start paying attention when there are debates in the general election. And at this point, I think Biden has deteriorated significantly compared to 2020. I, if I was Biden's campaign, would not want him out there for three debates against Trump. And that's not a compliment to Trump because he sounds like a fucking bumbling idiot. And half the time he sounds a little hard to grasp, but he's not slurring his words, which is not a stutter. He's not conflating words, which is not a stutter. He doesn't start out a sentence on the weather and end up talking about, you know, peanut butter. Uh, he is a deplorable character, but he is more lucid, I would say, at this point than Biden. And inflation is a stubborn thing. Inflation is a stubborn thing. And it is still uh, problematic. Gas prices are going up here in the Northeast. I, I'm, I know they've gone up all around the country again. Uh, grocery prices have gone down, but they're still stubbornly high. And now you have this auto strike that I want to talk to you about when we take calls in a few minutes. Uh, that's not going to be good for Biden either. So all of this, all of this is uh, a setup for Gavin Newsom going on Meet the Press. You know, it seems to me for a long time, by, uh, Obama has been the Democrats' last, um, last hope of uh, bailing out horrible candidates. Say what you want about Obama, but he was a gifted speaker, uh, was a strong candidate. He was full of shit, but Hillary put him around the country to, bail, to try and uh, bring her to victory. Even Obama couldn't do it. Biden uh, paraded out Obama uh, to uh, help him win. It worked. Uh, congressional candidates have put out Obama to try and help them want, win us in his post-presidency. But it sure seems to be now the Democratic Party seems to be relying on California Governor Gavin Newsom. They've been really putting him forward significantly, almost like he's lying and waiting if Biden shall fall off a cliff. Let's play uh, two clips from his Meet the Press interview yesterday, and we'll react to both. And do you feel like you know what the second term agenda is? I don't know about the second term agenda because we're still regaling in the extraordinary success of the last few years of which we now get to apply the principles and advance mm -hmm. uh, a lot of what has been asserted, meaning make real uh, the commitments we've made through these landmark legislative packages. Uh, but beyond that, I think the fundamental messaging has improved. The organized framework that the ads have, uh, that they've put out, the last five ads, I think have been spot on. And now we've got to go out and campaign. And I think you're going to see that over the next few months. Why do you think only 24 percent 
of Americans want to see Biden run again? I, I don't. To me, the polls mean nothing until we get out there and we make our case. And we got to make our case. We got to focus on the issues and then obviously framework of contrast. You're well aware of how perception can become reality. Why perception do you think this perception is there? I'll leave it to more objective minds. I don't have that point of view. I'm very inspired by the masterclass of the last two and a half years. And I mean it. I mean masterclass in terms of delivering results. And the results are demonstrable. The question you're asking is the challenging one is right. how do we mind the gap between performance, the substance and the results, and that perception before it becomes reality? Clearly, it's reflected situationally in these polls, but that's the opportunity the, not the burden, the opportunity yeah. of being able to run on this record, the Biden record, uh, and to make the case to the American people over the next 18 months. Whoa, whoa, that is a strong stench of bullshit. But doesn't he look nice? Isn't he a good looking fella, charismatic, that full head of hair? Make no mistake, Gavin Newsom is who the Democratic Party will be pushing if if Biden falls off a cliff because they'll be throwing Kamala Harris right with her. They won't sit right with him. They won't say we're not supporting Kamala Harris. They'll, by all appearances, support Kamala Harris. But that will be the public position. You know, Hillary Clinton said our public position and we have a private position. If Biden, uh, for some reason, doesn't make it to 2024 politically, uh, the Democratic Party's public stance will be we're supporting the vice president. But its actual shadow campaign will be for this slick rake over here. Uh, I actually I don't know what he's talking about, but he's a very good liar when he says landmark achievements. I'm not going to lie and say there's been nothing good. I mean, there's been some around the edges things that have been good. Uh, there's been some positive developments in labor, particularly the National Labor Relations Board, which you want to give Biden credit for that, you can. But a lot of the union victories and uh, labor accomplishments over the last few years have been because of a stronger National Labor Relations Board. That has to do with personnel and people who are hired at the National Labor Relations Board. So you can give Biden credit for that. But I mean, that is not lifting people out of poverty right now. That is not raising the minimum wage, which Biden promised promised to do. That is not delivering a public option, which to me was insufficient in the first place. But it's what he promised. Then he quickly abandoned it. Uh, that is not, you know, uh, any any form of actual emergency legislation for a burning planet and a climate apocalypse. Biden gave a speech in response to, you know, uh, the heat waves all summer and the devastating floods and this and that. Instead of uh, announcing a climate emergency, he announced cooling centers for elderly people and more precise forecasting. I mean, this is not a masterclass. This is changing the side dishes when the main meal is the same disgusting, rotting neoliberalism we've been getting for 40 years. So either he's attending a different class than the rest of us, or he is one slick politician. When he says um, la landmark achievements, masterclass, oh, the problem's messaging. How many times, election after election, year after year, all we hear about the problem is the messaging. We just got to get our messaging out better. We just got to stress our accomplishments. Well, let me give a secret. You don't even have to pay me as a consultant to the Democratic Party. If your accomplishments were being dramatically felt by the people, 
you wouldn't have to pro provide messages to them about how good it is because they would just get it. Let me give you a perfect example. If in an alternative history, alternative uh, reality, President Biden uh, pushed for Medicare for all and got Medicare for all, do you really think he'd have to run on re-election pushing the fact that he gave people Medicare? Of course they would note that he gave people Medicare for all, but do you really think they'd have to spend so much PR, so much marketing, so much campaign dollars in, I, we gave you Medicare for all? Or would the people know, hey, we have government health care for the first time. We have free health care <laughs> for the first time. You don't really have to message good things that the people feel. And the devil's advocate could say, well, Jordan, he's not a dictator. And, you know, he only had a 50-50 Senate. And there was mansion and cinema and ba 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 well, if you want to say that, then you also have to simultaneously admit we were all lied to by Biden and the Democratic Party and his sycophants at MSNBC and CNN and the New York Times and the Washington Post and the rest of them. I was fed and you were fed. This is the man who could get things done. This is the pragmatic choice over Bernie. Okay. This is the guy who could get those extremist Republicans to come to the table. This is the guy who could wrangle the different factions in the Democratic Party. Well, okay. If that were the case, why didn't he get Mansion and Cinema over to end the filibuster the whole time? Well, we he wants we want to, but we can't because of Mansion and Cinema. Why wasn't the fifteen dollar minimum wage added into the original COVID bill? Which, by the way, at this point, it's 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 uh, dead on arrival. We can't accept the fifteen dollar minimum wage. People can't live off a fifteen dollar minimum wage anymore. I don't even know if they could have lived off it to begin with. And with inflation, cost of living, we got to be start talking twenty five to thirty dollar minimum wage. Fifteen dollars is the conservative position. And by the way. It wouldn't even go into effect right away. If they passed $15 today, you'd have to stagger it over many years. It's just the whole thing is absurd and bullshit. Gavin Newsom, in his, in his uh, mind, the masterclass of the landmark legislation is the infrastructure deal, which was really a public-private privatization scheme that is selling off public water and waste systems to private companies. Will some bridges be built? Yes. Will, so, will a lot of uh, you know, new buildings and infrastructure be built? Yes. But that's not changing the proletariat's material conditions. That is a, a bigger picture thing. It's not helping the working class right now. You know what would be helping the working class right now? If they had a permanent child tax credit, which was a good thing in the original COVID bill. Biden deserves credit for originally pushing a child tax credit. No, it's not a UBI, but it was something. I spoke with people who dramatically were helped by that child tax credit. But how can you call it you know, a bold leadership when you propose these things as one-year Band-Aids and then let them sunset, let them expire, but then run on the bumper sticker, hey, we gave some food to poor people for 12 months. And, when they, and then we let them go back to starving. Bravo. We slashed poverty in half, which, by the way, was a bullshit number. It wasn't in half. But you, you can't run on and excite people that you did what 
you could do permanently, temporarily. You have no, you didn't even fight to extend it. You didn't publicly shame Manchin, who was the main one blocking, making that permanent. So I don't know. I think Gavin Newsom, I think the Democratic Party says, well, we want to put Biden out as little as possible for obvious reasons. Let's put out Gavin Newsom, putting aside his politics, which is neoliberal. He's young, he's well-spoken, he's good-looking, he's got a full head of hair, he knows how to bullshit. He could hoodwink people. He's a better-looking Bill Clinton of 40 year, 30 years ago. I just don't think it's going to work. Now let's play another clip of Gavin Newsom lying through his teeth about, well, what if Biden doesn't run again? Filing deadlines haven't passed. President Biden doesn't run. Why shouldn't we consider you a likely well, I think the vice president is naturally one lined up and the filing deadlines are quickly coming to pass. And I think we need to move past this notion that he's not going to run. President Biden is going to run uh, and looking forward to getting him reelected. Uh, I think there's been so much wallowing uh, in the last few months and hand-wringing in this respect. Uh, but we're gearing up for the campaign. We're looking forward to it. I, I under, you know, but... You hear these calls privately. What do you tell these donors who are wallowing in this? Uh, time to move on. Let's go. I'm going to be at the DNC next week in Chicago. Mm -hmm. I was down uh, with the DCC uh, two weeks ago down in uh, San Diego. Let's go. Let's make the case. Let's stop. I mean, let's make what the case of what you're not plotting the Biden administration. There's no, no plan B just for you. The, uh, no, and perhaps there's never been more consistent words that have come out of my mouth than that. I understand that, but I have something has, always, has, has hit me for a while with you in particular. Yeah. Your political hero is Bobby Kennedy. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby, well, what would Bobby do? Bobby ran. <laughs> Bobby ran. Yeah. He did it. Now, you could argue that he waited for somebody else to prove LBJ was vulnerable before jumping in. We could, yeah. we could debate the particulars yeah. of, of when. Yeah. Um, if you're going to go bold, sometimes you go when everybody tells you not to go. Yeah, I'm, uh, I, have, I haven't plotted this out. I'm not this Machiavellian. I've, I've, I, I, uh, that said, I'm all in with President Biden, proven that over and over and over again in private uh, and increasingly in public. I want to continue to make that case. And, and again, I don't want to just go through talking points, but I'm serious when I say this. Uh, a little less time on his age and whether or not he's going to run, a little more time on the damn record wonder why there's a gap between performance mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and perception. I think it's pretty obvious because we consumer, you're nothing but a mirror of your consistent thoughts. Yeah. Whatever you focus on, you find more of. And right now, the Democratic right. Party, the press and others, so focused mm -hmm. situationally on his age, should he or should he not run, and not on his record. And so our job is to get out of that muck uh, and to get back on our feet making the case. And am I supposed to interpret that comment about the vice president, that if for some reason the president chose not to run at this point, well, that's the everybody that, rallies that's around the, her? It's the Biden-Harris administration. That's a, maybe I'm a little old-fashioned. Yeah, maybe, old, maybe I'm a little old-fashioned about well, you know, presidents and vice president. I was a lieutenant governor, so I'm a little subjective. Boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boy. Colin, are you back yet? I want to ask you something. So, is it did, did you ever watch House of Cards? I know Kevin Spacey is kind of a scumbag now, but did you ever watch House of Cards back in the day? No, that was before I got Netflix. <laughs> okay. Basically, Kevin Spacey was a Machiavellian plotter uh, who was publicly supporting, you know, the people above him on the political food chain, but stabbing them, you know, actually in the front every step of the way. 
I found it very slick that Gavin Newsom, while saying, hey, we shouldn't be talking about his age, figured a way to fit in talking about his age twice within 10 seconds. So that that certainly wasn't intentional. Uh, also, him uh, dropping in, I'm, you know, I'm not Machiavelli. I'm not plotting this or anything. I mean, give me a break. This guy has been plotting this for years. First as lieutenant governor, then I'll become California governor, then to D.C. I did notice when uh, uh, he brought that up and he did the whole, I'm not plotting this or anything. He, that was the most offensive I saw him of like, oh, he, he stepped on something probably very true of like, he's he's hoping it pretty much exactly you said that dropping those hints of like, man, people are talking about his age a lot, aren't they? People keep talking about how old he is. Not me. I'm not. But sure, he is, he is pretty old is what people have said, which are those are terrible people. Like it's yeah, it's that uh, very two-faced, uh, uh, if you read comics, H- Harvey Dent two-faced, very, very obvious. <laughs> I mean, it's very obvious what's going on. You also have, I, I don't think it's happened yet, but him and DeSantis were going to debate, which clearly, like, that's kind of showing up. Biden. The, the only time that was ever uh, something that might have happened before was with presidential candidate Bernie Sanders trying to debate Trump to go around the party not having debates. And so right. why would you do that unless you're like, no, 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 I'm going to. Well, th- remember, Bernie debated, I think it was Ted Cruz after he lost the first time. So between Bernie's first and second run, Bernie debated Ted Cruz on healthcare. I think it was. So obviously That's Bernie right. was trying to stay relevant, but you don't like set up a debate with DeSantis. If reports were the White House was in favor of that. No, they weren't. Give me a break. And he's now going on Meet the Press for Chucky Sleaze's last show. I think this man is very much plotting um, to get in there. And I think, listen, I have no reporting, no intel, just speculation. Uh, I think we could be looking at a Lyndon B. Johnson situation here where Biden potentially drops out as early as end of this year, early next year. He already says, you know, he's not going to be on the ballot. In Iowa and New Hampshire, which doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, um, but I think they're trying to line up their ducks here. And why he would drop out so quickly, excuse me, so late in the game, would be so that the Democratic Party could optically, optically say, kind of have like plausible deniability. Let's say Biden dropped out January, February. Well, the Democratic Party could have plausible deniability. Oh, well, the natural step, we're going to support Vice President Harris. But she wouldn't really have much time to campaign before South Carolina, Super Tuesday, that this and that. We all know she's a terrible campaigner. Uh, and she might fall on her face. She might lose uh, in some of those states, too, if it's RFK. Uh Maybe Marianne Williamson. You just never know. You never know how these things can play out because Kamala Harris just isn't really a strong politician. And she's also a neoliberal ghoul. Uh, So there's just a lot going on. Yes, I'm speculating, but uh, it's just something doesn't smell right with Gavin Newsom going on Meet the Press saying, don't talk about it. Don't focus on his age. But let me bring up his age multiple times. Doesn't sound right. Let's talk about it. Um, we're going to take your calls now. Uh, one second here. 
Ugh, why did why does it do this, Colin? Uh, it signed me out, so you got to set resend me the login, Colin, for uh, Colin Studio if you can. So we're gonna take your calls on uh, 2024 Cornell West UAW. Uh, you know whatever you want to talk about, we could talk about. But first, I need the login because for some reason I keep getting locked logged out of every program uh, on my computer all the time. Uh, so you could also put up the number, Colin, uh, for people to call in. I have about 20 to 25 more minutes. Uh, also, I will be a guest on uh, Generational Change with Peter Hager and Jen Perlman tonight at 7 o'clock Eastern. So definitely uh, check me out uh, going on Generational Change. Subscribe to their channel uh, on YouTube. I'll be on there. Uh, if you could send me the username so I could log on, that would be I just wonderful. did in the chat there. Oh, all right. Oh, and also on that, uh, I'll test out, we'll see if it works. But I think after this stream, it should uh, send you guys over to that generational just waiting room. So you guys can bookmark it for later so you can see Jordan when he's on there. Oh, cool. All right. Works. I've never done it before, so. And reminder... If there is a strike, and I believe there will be, um, we need you to support us. So become a Status Coup member today. StatusCoup.com slash join. Sign up for as low as $5 a month. So you'll be able to support our on-the-ground Our on-the-ground During the strikes. I would very much like to cover it uh, as long as it takes. Hopefully I could be there for a week. I've spoken with Lewis. Uh, if I'm there for a week and it's still going on, uh, Lewis could potentially uh, replace me uh, and continue the coverage. I do have a 10-month-old, so I can't stay there you know, for weeks on end. Uh, but definitely, definitely uh, sign up today, statusgoo.com slash join. We did get uh, some new members over the weekend and today. By the way, welcome new status quo member Dave signed up today. Uh, Vivian signed up today. Uh, ben gave us a donation at our website. Uh, that's at statusquo.com slash donate if you want to support this trip. Uh, so really, really a lot going on. And who's going to be the first call? And I am in no mood to fight. So if you're looking to fight me, I got a very, 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 very short leash today. Uh, do, 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 do. All right, uh, Jonathan, you're up. You there? Hey, Jordan, how you doing, man? Hey. Yeah, I don't know if you remember me. I uh, I called in a, a couple a couple months ago about you know maybe Cornell West being on uh, having a ticket with Jess Ventura. Um, my question to you is um, so. You know, there's, as you know, RFK Jr. has, has like, right-wing support, right? Yeah. And um, let's say he doesn't get the, so he's more than likely he's not going to get the nomination. Um, and do you think, because he's so popular with right-wings and he has no desire to be a Republican, you know how, like, there was, like, there was a draft Ralph Nader and then people drafted Jesse Ventura on the Alaska ballot? Do you think, like, libertarians would draft RFK Jr. to be their nominee? I, is that even a possibility or, I mean, I know they're still like going to probably pick their preference, Chase Oliver or whoever, but what, what, what do you, what do you think about the concept of drafting a candidate in 
Do you feel uh, it's kind of a a, a cheap gimmick because because the, can- the candidate's not really giving his consent? Well, I think a lot of times um, people—I'm not talking about Jesse Ventura, but others—kind of for narcissistic ego reasons aren't opposed to like a draft so and so campaign just to kind of make them feel wanted. Um, I don't think it's a bad idea, but I don't think, listen, I don't know. I I think RFK is a little crazy, but I just have a hard time believing RFK in the final analysis would run outside of the Democratic Party because I think that, I mean, whether people like it or not, there's the whole Kennedy legacy and the whole Kennedy mystique. You know, the Kennedys, other than the Clintons, are the Democratic Party of the last half century. And I think that I don't really know if he would have the stomach to burn a burn like that would burn a bridge potentially with his family members who have not been supportive even of his campaign in the Democratic Party. But I don't you know, I don't know RFK. So maybe he would say, fuck it. I don't care about that stuff. But I I just have a hard time believing he would run. I actually think he is more libertarian than liberal Uh, i think he's got some right-wing positions that he dresses up as like for the you know i'm for the worker bee um but i just i don't know i don't think it would be a bad idea if the libertarians want to draft him i just don't see him i don't see him going for it i don't and you and how convenient that clip you show with gavin newsom they mentioned his father and they, 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 I think they, they did it. That was associated RFK Jr. Like they mentioned his father, they don't acknowledge his son is right. in the race too. Oh yeah. I mean, that was the slimiest interview. Gavin Newsom is very, you know, Gavin Newsom is one of those people who could smile while stabbing you at the same time. Uh, he's very clearly plotting to run. Uh, I think he'd be fine if it ends up being in 2028. Um, but I think, you know, he's standing there hoping it's sooner. Um, I think he's watching the polls showing Biden down with the Titanic very gleefully. I think he's smart enough to know Kamala Harris would potentially do worse than Biden. Uh, and I think he intentionally did like a double whammy of saying, you know what media stop talking about his age, but let me talk about his age twice in 10 seconds. So that was very obvious that he was bringing up his age for a reason. But at this point, I think the, at this point, I think the options are, uh, Biden drops out. There's still a small percentage chance that Trump drops out and makes a deal. A lot of people don't think Trump would do that. But when things get real, I think at least one of these trials is going to start before the uh, general election, which then poses the chance of a conviction. Sure, he could appeal and it could drag off till after um, after the election. But would Trump be willing to roll the dice? And if he gets convicted, roll the dice. What if he loses? Then He's in jail on appeal. So uh, I also think small chance, but I do think there might be a chance of some other mainstream corporate Democrat jumping in uh, in the next month or two. Uh, I, I couldn't begin to tell you, but I do think there's a chance that some mainstream Democrat jumps in. I also think there's a chance that some other non-corporatist jumps in. I don't know who, but you know, could be a business type like a Mark Cuban, uh, could be someone technically progressive. I don't know. I just, something's telling me that where it is right now isn't where it's going to be come the primaries. 
uh, because it's just Biden is very, very weak uh, and there's openings for others to jump in. So those are my thoughts. 2024 is going to be an interesting race, a predictable one, but an interesting one nonetheless. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for calling, man. All right. Take care, Jordan. You're, no problem. Sure. All right. Uh, Brian, you're up. Hey, this is Brian. Thanks for having my call, Jordan. Um, I, I just hit the button and it came through and I'm like sitting here going, oh, she's now what? First, I wanted to say that you should have an Emmy for your work, uh, whatever it was, two years ago for the Iowa caucus. Uh, when you were out there, I was watching you at 3.30 in the morning talking to precinct captains coming out going, what the hell is going on? Right? Remember? Oh, I remember. I was uh, yeah. I was live I was live that night I think for like six six hours straight. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You were in there. You absolutely what? And I'm really really mad. That's why I stayed on the line here, because the next morning I watch whoever those people are on uh, uh, CNBC uh, talking as if Bernie was. They they literally talked him out of the race. It was as he didn't exist. They didn't even give him cred, uh, or, uh, credit for being first, second, whatever. So I said, I, I said, anyway, I, I said at the time, I asked Bernie's campaign yeah. manager at the time, why aren't you guys filing a lawsuit? Like, exactly. You shouldn't be uh, giving, uh, allowing them to have the narrative that Buddha Judge won. Uh, and their, yeah. their mentality, which I think was wrong, was, you know, we won the popular mm -hmm. vote. Let's move on to New Hampshire. And because yeah. of Buttigieg getting days and days and days of free media that he was the winner, he went up 10 points in the polls in New Hampshire in a week. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. Right. Yeah. And I remember when Hillary was up and there, uh, they have the various, uh, what the hell do they call these people? The guys that are the uh, elect at the, uh, at the um, conventions, the people who vote, you've got your regular uh, people, what do you call them, Jordan? Delegates, the delegates. And then delegates. Thank you so much. Sorry about that. Hey, I'm 64 and I've been watching this bullshit <laughs> since I, I sound like Biden. Since I was uh, six, uh, it was 1968. I watched the original Bobby Kennedy running. And it, and I, I wish some of the other people who are in my age category would get off their asses and do something. I'm sick of all of it. And we talk about the people we, we, we talk, you started your show talking about, well, we've got maybe Trump and we got Biden, the same old narrative that the Democrats have, where it's like, oh, you know, if you vote for this guy, then you might end up uh, getting Trump in. Why are these are, why do we have two parties? Who decided this? When? I know, like you said, I was working too hard my whole life and all the people I know work too hard and we, uh, there should be a requirement. You have to focus first on being a United States citizen and being informed. And beyond that, you can go do whatever job you want. Absolutely. But I've seen the same bullshit narratives my entire life. And we need to tell the younger kids, and you're doing a fantastic job. Thank you. But they, we need to tell these kids they need to become informed. You can't be lazy, stupid. Like they have, our generation has been that. Post-war generation, that's all we've done. We're stupid, we're fat, we sat around, we didn't do anything, and now we're getting uh, the government we deserve, uh, loosely terming a famous quote. 
Yeah. Thank you for letting me talk. This is just nonsense. You know, when the, are we going to stop? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, I, I do understand. I do understand because I felt it in 2020. I mean, I didn't hide that I, I voted for Biden in 2020. Uh, I didn't tell people. Right. What, I didn't tell people what to do. But to me, based on what I was seeing on the road covering Trump, um, it was just a lot darker than 2016. And I really felt if this man got reelected, I, I don't think he was joking yeah. about serving more than two, two nope. more than two terms. Uh, it, there was right. there was an authoritarian tinge to a lot of these rallies. But, uh, but you know what about all the struggle? We got all the stuff where you and I, we, we I love your show, love everything you do. You're in the forefront, in my view. But Thank you. We talk about the political process as if somehow digging this same rut is going to get us somewhere new, and it's not. Yeah. We've got to. I mean, I understand we have to talk about it, but there has to be something outside the electoral process to get the American people out of where we are. People need to wake up. Smart, good people that I know have no fucking clue. What well, that, do we do? That is what why. That is why I've been pushing and really focusing on this uh, strike coverage. I'm not saying unions are a magic. I'm not saying yeah. unions are a magic uh, elixir and are going to solve everything. But at the end of the day, yeah. a lot of this fucking neoliberal corporate economic hellscape we live in began when they yep. started taking a battering ram to labor. I mean, look at it. 194 after the war, Absolutely. Uh, 1950s, 1960s, mm -hmm. part of the 1970s. I mean, there was some form of economic uh, egalitarianism, economic equality. Not let me be clear: not for right. not for black people, not for Hispanic people, not for in, indigenous. But for the rest of us, right. that I mean, a CEO did not make four hundred times his worker. Maybe he or she made five times. Absolutely. But yeah. as they right. as they meticulously went after unions, uh, in large part with uh, horrible groups like Alec and special interests and loosening uh, rules on money and politics. Um, income inequality exploded. Our standard of living went to shit. Our productivity skyrocketed as our wages stayed flat. Yep. So I do believe, um, I've been saying now for about two years, I'm not saying don't pay attention to elections or don't vote, but let's be real. Nothing structurally yep. is going to dramatically change by these the electoral yep. process. It's going to have to take worker organizing and worker power. And I believe we're starting to see it. The UPS contract, I I, I wish they, I, I think they could have gotten a little better, but yes. it was a lot better than what they've gotten in the past. And I think UAW yeah. with this and new the, militant the, stance. The problem, here is, the problem here, Jordan, is we have to watch for the counteroffensive. And you're right. There's nothing where else multi-front attacks on uh, the neoliberalism. Um, but what happens here, well, now we'll see the counterattack and they'll, we'll figure, I, here, here's the thing. I used to work for these bastards, okay? They know, they're smart. I think you alluded to this. You said they're, they're really smart. That You can't believe that, like Gavin Newsom, you can't believe that they don't understand what's happening and you can't believe that they don't see what's happening in America with the labor. They are going to have backlash. They're going to be smart. They're going to be clever. They'll lay low when they need to, but they'll come at it. I have seen it. And I, I just, I, I don't know what Ralph Nader says, if we can get 5% of the population, what Martin Luther King's march was only quarter of a million. Um, we need, I talked to a young lady, and I live on co in the coastal Carolina area. I talked to a young woman who, this is not a wealthy area 
well, it kind of is, but um, she, I said, you know, Ralph Nader said 5% of the pop or whatever it is, maybe 3 million, 3 million people will get them to take notice. And I think Ralph is right. He's a little bit antiquated. I love the guy, but 3 million people, we need, like you and I love talking about the specifics of politics, of policy, but the reality is we've got to get the average person who can understand what Ralph Nader said. And uh, in Kissinger's book, he says, Nixon says to him, they're surrounded by all these protesters back in the, well, I guess 70s, yeah. early 70s. And Nixon goes, hey, uh, uh, Henry, are they going to kill us? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and then, then, you know, then we have this January 6th thing where, and I'm like, oh, God darn it. These people have gone in. Now, every time you march, then you're accused of whatever it is, you know, whatever they're going to accuse you of. But so that is problematic. But people have got to, I guess it's going to have to be peaceful. I mean, I've never liked violence at any level, but uh, people are going to have to march. And by the way, I, I don't affiliate with any, as you well know, all of these people are criminals. Gavin Newsom, Reagan, Clinton, Obama, Biden, they're all criminals. We know that. That's why I get up so, so upset. We've got to figure out and... I know that you talk to people to help to inform, and it's been amazing. You guys are great. This uh, non-mainstream media, you people are the champions of this generation, but it has to keep going, and we have to anticipate counteroffensives by the neoliberals. But what you tell me right now, what do we do? We all, most of us understand it. You know, some of it's educating some people who are just working too hard or too stupid or too lazy. But what do we do? Do we follow Ralph Nader's lead and get 5 million people to I, march on Washington? Peacefully? I got to tell you, I think not, I'm not just saying this because I like her, but I really think the types of organizing that people like Shama Sawant are starting, you know, workers strike back with a lot of this mm -hmm. worker oriented organizing on the local level. Uh, is really what people Love need it. to do. And that is getting involved in tenants unions, getting involved in economic organizing on the local level, uh, getting involved mm -hmm. in uh, a lot of this disruptive action that these climate groups are now doing. Uh, I think people need to get involved on their local level because we're not, I mean, I would love there to be a general strike tomorrow, but that's just not going to happen. Yeah. But if people start organizing yeah. locally, and I've talked to her, we need to start economic actions. Even if it starts small and, you know, everybody stop uh, stop shopping at the grocery store in your local city if they're exploiting their workers. Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff catches on. Too many times we're showing up to protests and holding signs, but there's no threat attached to it. You need a threat. Well, you're my hope, brother, because I... I don't have the same faith you do. Um, I, I will start, probably be, I, I probably will be where you are at 64. I'm already pretty cynical and <laughs> I'll be 37 in a couple of days. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, one other thing, and I'll let you run. Thanks for talking. This has been fabulous. Absolutely. You allow me to get my blood pressure up and get a little <laughs> bit of anxiety or ang anger out. Um, but the thing is, is, I guess, economically speaking, I like what you, I like everything you say. I like your show. Um, but it seems like the economic angle, uh, what is it? The Rothschild said, I care not who holds office as long as I control the money supply or the currency. Yep. And, um, and you know, and that's what I'm worried about with this um, um, a general, um, whatever it is, the money thing where they want to basically create 
um, uh, an electronic currency. Yeah. Uh, you know the name, it's an acronym. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very concerned about that. I see a lot of people who are tired who would be, in my view, um, the, the first victims. It says, if you want to get your Social Security money, all you people, all you baby boomers, hey, you're going to have to go to the CMBT or whatever it's called, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm con- concerned about the economic aspect. It's very sophisticated. And you might want to take a look at that a little bit more because I think I watch a lot of that as well. And I think that that's an area that that um, we all need to work on a little bit more to understand because it's become incredibly sophisticated. It's just a big casino game right now. It used to be capital, help America build products. And now it's turned into these hedge funds, as you mentioned earlier, one of the corporate people. But yeah, I think we need to focus on economics to understand the full game as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And honestly, Beautiful. at the end of the day, we need to do something about fucking money and politics. That's what first a long time ago yep. attracted me to yep. the Young Turks when I was there. That's why I started watching. Obviously, they're doing a much different thing these days, but uh, nothing's going to change. <laughs> no, nothing is going to change if we just have legal bribery and, uh, you know, as government. Absolutely. Um, I, I am a lawyer and I practice, as I mentioned, with a large firm and I represented corporate clients in federal courts and I had a lot of respect for the judges and very likely those judges deserved all the respect. However, when I really, and once again, once I, I call it my sabbatical from the world, once I went on my sabbatical to learn and to think and to stop being on the treadmill because of illness, honestly, mm-hmm. I said to, you know, I said, gosh, I'm going to look at this stuff. And I was just shocked at, at what had happened with these people who I respected so much all through law school, everything. You look at this, your career, you look at these people and, and there was nothing but the utmost respect that their fairness and honesty and integrity. And I look at them now and I'm disgusted, absolutely disgusted at what has happened in the highest court. We look at this and, and there's what can we possibly, what can you do when George, as George Carlin said, we got the Supreme Court in their hip pocket, you know, neoliberals. What do we do? What do we do when you uh, uh, Chris Hedges filed suit against the Obama administration and they do this fucking standing thing, which is, makes no sense to my legal mind. I may be wrong, but they sure stand on it. And I don't know if you understand. I'm, you're very good. So I'm sure you've commented on this at some point. Standing. What more standing do you need in the United States than being a legal uh, an American citizen? Right. That's standing. That means that you're affected by their law. Right. Um, and I was, I'm proud to, to mention that I'm going to stay on my law school because I just saw through LinkedIn that they were awarded a million dollars by the state legislature to focus on constitutional issues. And I, I'll see where they're going with this. Um, so yeah, constitutional, people need to focus on constitution and what's going on and uh, Citizens United and his precursors. Actually, there were other cases that started it. Did you know that the guy, there was an attorney in Indiana who started that game, that angle. Must be brilliant. I'm impressed, but he's on the dark side. So what do we do now, right? We got to get it out. It's one of our first steps. Thank you, Jordan. I appreciate it a ton. I'm going to go get some dinner, buddy. Appreciate it. Take care. (laughs) 
Keep All up right. Your good work. Bye. Uh, up now, uh, Gibran. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Effort. Uh, yeah, so it's actually Gibran. Hey. Um, but, yeah, how you doing, man? First time caller. Uh, just calling for a few reasons. One is just to say I appreciate your coverage of Dr. West's campaign. Thank you. Um, and, like, one of the things that I appreciate about his campaign is that he's exposing a lot of people simply by the fact that he's running and being authentically himself. Absolutely. You know, and, like, I'm not going to ask you to comment on anything that any of the other commentators have spoken on, but um, one thing that I do hope he prioritizes is ranked choice voting yeah. in his campaign. Yeah. Um, I feel like that, you know, I disagree with a lot of the stuff that Kyle Kalinske has had to say about Dr. West, but, uh, well, you know, I do think that that ranked choice voting thing is huge. I think Cornell is in the perfect situation to push that because he could say, hey, you all you are so petrified that I'm going to tip the election to Trump. Let's do ranked choice voting. So there is no spoiler. It's just. It goes to the next best, uh, the next, you know, most supported candidate. Uh, I think that's a great message because if they were really so worried about uh, him tipping the, you know, tipping votes to uh, away from Biden, then ranked choice voting, ranked choice voting solves that. But of course, they don't want ranked choice voting because they don't actually care about more democracy. Actually, I think it was D.C. just shot down ranked choice voting. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, mm. I very much hope. Uh, he talks more about that for sure. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, you know, I have one other, uh, I guess one other just statement. Sure. One question. Um, so the statement is just about uh, Newsom and one of his more troubling answers, which had to do with Feinstein. Oh, yeah. And What did he say? You know, I've known yeah, her since yeah, I'm a like, kid and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, well, he was basically like, she's not, she's like family, I'm going to stay out of it. But he also said that uh, he would make sure that he didn't put his finger on the scale of the upcoming election. Right. And to me, like, I'm from California, uh, you know, and so, like, I've been watching Pelosi and Feinstein, and I'm aware that Pelosi's daughter is Feinstein's primary caregiver. And it, the whole thing just really stinks to high heaven. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I really think it's like a mask. It should be like a really mask off moment for normie Democrats who think that Pelosi actually has our best interests at heart. Right. Well, uh, Pelosi, yeah. in many ways, pulls a lot of the strings for California politics. A lot of people didn't realize that when, you know, single payer didn't come up for a vote, she played a part in that, even though she's, you know, federally a congresswoman, she she has a say uh, in what happens on the state level there and state level politics. So, uh, yeah, I mean, whoever is going to become the next senator to replace Feinstein, Pelosi will be pulling a lot of the strings. Uh, I think, you know, Gavin Newsom, he did say, didn't he say I would like to I would appoint uh, a black woman or a black person as senator mm -hmm. to replace Feinstein? Yeah. 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 He did. He did say that. Uh, but now I don't want to get involved. I don't want to do that. Situation. Yeah. Right. 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 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh but he he uh he did say that it would be a black woman, but he also made it clear that he probably, you know, wouldn't uh he would try and pick someone who wasn't already running. Right. Whereas that might not have happened in another situation. So it's just, you know, kinda interesting. I don't uh, think they wanna put the question, I don't think they wanna put Barbara Lee in there, is is what it is. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's that that that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, and uh, you know it's it's beyond disgusting um, to me. Um, but I did have another question for you, sure, which has to do with uh, I guess it's the Common Dreams report about Biden privatizing water. Yeah, uh, my colleague Ron covered that on the channel here. Uh, it's really, really, really scary. I mean, listen, water is being privatized all over the country for years without Biden's help. Uh, you might not even realize, a lot of people don't realize that the water they get wherever they are is private from a private company. But Biden doing that, that's why I was saying a lot of, you know, Democrats are, you know, running on this quote unquote historic infrastructure deal. If you look at the details of the infrastructure deal, a lot of it is just selling public water and waste systems to private companies. So, it was really just a privatization scheme. Uh, uh, American Prospect did a good story back in the day about that. And now they're further privatizing uh, water. And that is why, if anybody wants to look it up, the last few years, what is one of the top 10 fastest rising commodities? What are the hedge funders and Wall Streeters buying uh, on, on Wall Street? Water. Why do you think they're mm -hmm. buying so much stock at water companies? Because they are waiting for a shortage of clean water and because water is being privatized. And that's why they see mm. an, a cash cow. So it's beyond disgusting. Uh, of course, the media doesn't report on it, so they don't know, but you do not want your water privatized, particularly with all these water problems, because if you think that the situation's bad and with corrupt government agencies, like in Flint, that was a public water system and they were corrupt. It's going to be 10 times worse right. with private companies. So, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, I mean, I heard about uh, I heard about what happened down in Cochabamba, Bolivia mm -hmm. back in the day with, uh, you know, this corporation basically claiming that they own the water rights even to, like, rainwater that people collected out of the sky. Uh, you know, and they, they were able to, like, after a massive... Um, you know, popular uprising against that, you know, they were able to uh, get rid of that. But, you know, I just, I feel like it's one of those big things that uh, is a big possibility that I don't hear enough about. So I, again, I appreciate your coverage of everything. And, you know, I appreciate you taking my call. Absolutely, man. Take care. All yeah, right. You too. I will do uh, one or two more. Then I got to go watch uh, the baby. Uh, Andrew, you're up. Hey, can you hear me? Hey there. Hey, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the um, the UAW strike that's upcoming. Sure. And I wondered if you already had uh, affiliates in Mexico or people that you were planning to rely on their coverage in case there is a strike in the Mexican auto working plants. Because um, in 2019, there were a huge cascade of strikes across the um, the Mexican auto working sector. 
And I think that not only is it an enormous opportunity for the Mexican workers to raise their wages while there's no other production going on in North America, but um, would also strengthen the hand of the, the UAW. I do not, I do not, but I, I do not, but I'd be definitely, definitely interested in uh, coverage and interviews for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty broke right now, but I I do live in Mexico state. There are some auto assembly plants in my city. Um, I don't think any of them are for the big three. I could be mistaken, Uh, but there are GM and Ford and Chrysler plants uh, within a day's drive of me. So I am planning to go up and interview some people if there if there are strikes. I've been I've been talking to uh, just like neighbors and extended family and trying to see if anybody has heard anything through the grapevine yet. My my father-in-law used to be a, a sort of a union organizer in the 90s, but he doesn't really have any current contacts. So if I'm doing it, it would just basically be with my phone um, and going out if it happens. But uh, would I send that if you want to, um, you know, yeah. replicate that coverage? Should I send it to you at at your info email or yeah, what yeah. do you want to do? For sure, definitely. If you go uh, and you can get interviews, definitely send it to me. I'll even give you my email. Just don't blow to everybody watching. Don't blow me up. Uh, first name, last name at at statuscoup.com. Jordan Sheridan at statuscoup.com. But uh, yeah, no, and you could. All right, I'll put that. Down. Yeah, definitely. I know. I definitely know. There's a good chance Canadian workers will go on strike uh, days after uh, America. I haven't heard as much about Mexico, but if you if you're there, uh, yeah, that would be great. Yeah the the biggest um, I think it's the biggest GM plant in Mexico is in Guanajuato, mm-hmm. and I think that would be like a four and a half hour drive for me. Okay. Um, and. Right now, my wife and I both work uh, online for all but Saturday. So I would, if it does break out, I try to go and stay for a few days and get as much footage as I can. Awesome. Um, Yeah, all I have is my phone and then like a, I don't even remember, like an old Canon point and shoot camera. So yeah, I mean, um, if if, if, we'd have, yeah, we could talk about it. There's like mics, microphones you can get for your phone and stuff like that. If you do it, we could, we could pay for that. So, um, yeah. Send me an email okay. for sure. All right. Will do, Jordan. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Thanks for doing your coverage. I just wanted to say as well, I think um, uh, I agree with a lot of people saying that you're really, really fastidious and hardworking with your coverage. Thank you. Um, and you get a lot of shit from other commentators for, you know, disagreements on particular takes. I wish that didn't happen. Um, and I hope that there is a future where there's more, um, that is just more support and solidarity amongst indie media instead of kind of, um, yeah. Yeah. It just seems like there's kind of, when there's not a big thing like the Bernie campaign, everybody just kind of falls apart. It's not just, you know, with you or whichever other, uh, commentators, like everybody yeah. kind of like well, cannibalizes when the, when the faucet runs low. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm just a radical thinker, but I, I don't really think it's, uh, uh, requirement to agree on all things uh we at the very least whether people agree with every take i have or not hopefully we all agree that we badly need actual independent journalism preferably on the ground covering important things that the corporate media is covering up so you know as i say to people when they send me nasty emails i'm unsubscribing or i'm canceling my membership 
I say that's too bad because uh, whether you agree with me or not, I your your membership is what funds the Flint reporting or going to cover the strike or whatever. So you know, yeah. you know, I, I honestly, and also, well, you know, to me, like when I first got involved in politics, what attracted me to the left was it wasn't like lockstep opinion on all things there could be some disagreement you know it was more the right wing was like yeah. this fucking cult and that's over the last few years it, it it's shifted a bit where people think you know people just automatically assume bad motives or bad character if so if they're if a commentator or somebody you know has a different take with them obviously if if you start hearing me talking like we need access to healthcare. Yeah, you'll know I sold out. But if it's just like, you know, I don't agree on, you know, we don't, we're not in lockstep on all things, like, that's okay. We don't need to be. And it doesn't mean, you know, somebody has bad motivations or, you know, uh, doesn't share your values anymore. Yeah, I think, I think you're probably one of the few, um, you know, indie media figures that can actually make that argument. And I don't just hear like kind of conciliatory bullshit. I think you really mean it. Yeah. Um, and then maybe one more, one more thing. Well, I, I also, like I also, on. I know you I, already... I also have the benefit or the curse. Yeah. I've traveled the country over the last like seven or eight years. So I have, you know, with all due respect to the commentators, I've seen it up close, how corrupt this country is. And I can tell you one of the reasons the status quo exists is because all we do is fight amongst ourselves and the left is not organized. And that's a gift that yeah. that's a gift to the corporate establishment because they don't really have an organized enemy. They are very organized. It might, yeah. it might seem like they're not, but the Republican party is a fucking well-oiled machine and the democratic party when it wants to be is a well-oiled machine and the left yeah. is not. And you don't have to love everybody, yeah. but to be, you know, this whole let's cancel every, anyone who doesn't agree with us. Sure, there's people I don't like. There's people I don't even respect. However, um, at the end of the day, you're going to need an organized structure of uh, people and especially people with large followings to come together for, you know, a working class movement. Yeah, and you know, one one more thing while I got the the mic uh, with your audience is I would say like the the left being disorganized and kind of fighting over everybody has to agree over 95% of the issues or we have to not be friends anymore. I, I've been coming to the conclusion more and more that, um, you know, in my own like community work and political work, I don't really want to talk to people who already have a fully formed opinion about left politics. I think that's almost a, mostly a waste of time. Like there's, there's a, a point where there's a point to it in some cases where you really do need to kind of work through a difficult issue and there are and if there are a variety of, of stances to take some of them actually do oppose each other uh, in their effectiveness but I think that mostly if you are a person who feels that you're well spoken on left politics um, and that you you have a good understanding of your local political scene go and talk to people who don't call themselves any type of leftist or progressive or anything like that um, I like what you said earlier as well about worker strike back being one of the more promising phenomena and in, in, in the country as far as like an organized movement that's not just one yeah. union. Um, I think they're gonna be spending a lot of their time not arguing with leftists over minutia. They're Listen, gonna be going and talking to bottom line, let's, workers let's be real. who don't really yeah. consider themselves political. Bottom line, yeah. online YouTube shows are not organizing. 
they, you know, I'm sorry, they're not. Uh, uh, I'm not like, you know, status quo goes to cover it, but I'm not like an organizing vessel. Neither are any of these commentators, even the ones that pretend they are. You know, the people organizing, DSA gets a lot of shit. They actually do organizing. I've covered them knocking on doors when it's not sexy to try and stop evictions, you know. Uh, Shama Sawan, she's an organizer. She's done it for years. Um, so, yeah, YouTube shows fighting amongst each other. It's nice. It's popcorn. It's entertaining. But it ain't going to get us anywhere in the long run. So people just need to realize, um, you know, for example, there was all this hubbubaloo over the weekend about, um, oh, did the show end, Colin? Ah, damn it. Colin, I believe our call in ended because uh, we forgot to pay the monthly bill. So we'll have to get on that. <laughs> it's shit. Well, it was supposed to update automatically. Maybe it updates at set points. Well, yeah. the, 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 the trials of independent media. We have a. I'll, we have, I'll double check that next time. I, I, my assumption. We have a. We have a seven dollar twelve. We have a seven dollar balance, and they cut us off because it wasn't paid yet. I had to go anyway soon, so I apologize, Andrew, uh, that you got cut off. That was a great call. Email me. I gave you my email, Jordan Charidan at statuscoup.com. Uh, we will pay the bill, so we don't cut cut, cut off that seven dollar bill. Um, but let me give some shout outs before I go. And by the way, it's my it's my daughter's 10 month birthday today. So happy birthday to my daughter. Uh, let me give shout out to new status quo member. Uh, Dave signed up. Vivian signed up. Uh, yesterday, we got a couple members, too. So thank you for signing up. Thank you, new status coup member uh, Zero Joshua signed up. Thank you, Zero Joshua. You are a hero, not a zero. In my mind, uh, Super Chats, Denise, five bucks. Left politicians like to put up a good fight, quote, good fight in front of the cameras in order to get us to foul, but they have to lose to serve the oligarchs. Ain't that sad, but true. John Ramsey, 20 bucks. Thanks, John. Uh, Robert, 10 bucks. Death of despair numbers are getting too high and personal for me. Labor is a civil way. We could stop being a beaten down doormat for a very comfortable few. That's a great segue. I'm like a broken record, but listen, glasses off, direct in the camera, see my bags under my eyes. I believe there's going to be a UAW strike in a few days. I believe it's going to be big, and I believe it's going to go for a while. We want to cover it as long as we can. Me on the ground for a week, Lewis on the ground after me if it's still going on. It costs money. Myself, a cameraman, flights, hotel, rent a car, food. Uh, but it's important, unless you're relying on CNN and local news, to tell the accurate tale of the workers. We need real independent media on the ground covering the picket lines accurately and giving a microphone back to the workers. So if you're not yet a status quo member, Consider signing up today, statuscoup.com slash join. Become a member for as low as five bucks a month. That's 16 cents a day. $10 a month is 33 cents a day. If you're already a member, you could donate to help us fund the trip. That's statuscoup.com slash donate. Makes a big, big difference. Uh, thank you also, Dash Post Fleisch, 249 euros. Here's some call money. Appreciate it. Um, 
I think this strike is about a lot more than the auto industry. I think it's about there is a new kind of militance that is coming from the UAW and its new president, and they are not taking shit, and they are shooting for the sky in their demands. They're not right out of the gate saying, yeah, we'll accept crumbs, so offer us crumbs. They're saying, we want fucking cake because we deserve it. So, and they are doing things, the messaging, the updating their workers with the shitty offers they're getting. And that could be a real lesson to other workers and other groups of how to fight back. So super important to cover this. I want to be on the ground again, uh, at least a week. And then I've talked to Lewis about stepping in for me uh, if I have to go back home because I do have a young daughter. Uh, so please, please sign up today. Am I missing anything, Colin? Uh, no, I think that's everything. All righty. Awesome. Uh, I do have an update video that we posted this morning on where things stand. Uh, uh, more insulting weak offers from General Motors, Ford, and Stellantis. So definitely watch that. Uh, well, John Farina is going to be live for us tomorrow covering a climate protest. Uh, and uh, we'll have more content as well. Please sign up, statusquo.com slash join or donate, statusquo.com slash donate. I will be on uh, Generational Change uh, with Peter and Jen Hager. Uh, Peter Hager and Jen Perlman at seven o'clock Eastern. So please come back in about 40 minutes uh, to see me on generational change. We'll be talking about the UAW strike and other things. Thanks.